Thank you, Casey. Y'all have a seat. And you can take out your Bibles. If you do not have a Bible, there should be one in the back on a table. And turn in two passages. Luke 11 and 1 Corinthians 3. We'll be in Luke 11 first. Some of you may know... Some of you may not know, we are, uh, as I said before, in uh, Lent. Who knows what Lent is? Raise your hand. Is that it? Who knows what Lent is? Raise your hand. Okay, thank you. Um, Lent is uh, the period before Easter leading up to Good Friday. It is a focus time uh, to focus on ourselves uh, and our need for God. And it's a time to focus on the cross as we lead up to the cross what Jesus has done for us. And when I say focus on our need, uh, often, I really should say focus on our sin, uh, because we are sinners and we need the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And a great way to look at our sin is to look at specific sins. And so that is what we're doing over Lent. Uh, We're doing this series on the seven deadly sins. Those are actually mentioned in the Bible in Proverbs 16. Uh, verses 16 through 19, but also uh, early Christians in the 3rd and 4th century brought these together as seven deadly sins. And so this series is called Eight Blessings for Seven Sins because, you know, why eight blessings, seven sins? Well, we're going eight weeks. Uh, We're actually carrying it uh, the week past Easter, so there you go. It's just a little, I don't know, I guess a way to be cute. And not cute, but anyway, eight blessings for seven sins because I want to give a blessing for a sin. And today is a sin all of us have had. Let me say this. We have all sinned this way already today. I guarantee you. Uh, And it is the sin of envy. Envy. I actually, I was thinking about it this morning. I I think last week we dealt with pride, which I think that is the, you know, whether granddaddy, mac daddy, whatever you say, all sins come from pride. Because when you envy, you say, well, I really should have what they have. Or I'm really better than them, but they have that. But I do think in our culture, I mean, envy is, envy is up there as the worst. I mean, you can say lust, you know, I don't know, New York, maybe greed, I don't know. But envy, I mean, envy is everywhere, but uh, envy of families, uh, envy of status, uh, envy of possessions. That's always the one you think about, but really it's uh, envy of relationships. So we're going to talk envy today. Now, what we're doing Uh, each week, is we're tying a sin to a beatitude. Who knows what the beatitudes are? I don't expect everybody to. Okay, good. The beatitudes are in the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5, where Jesus says, blessed are, and he really turns it around who we think people who would not be blessed, and they are blessed. So, for example, today's beatitude is Matthew 5, 4. Can we put it up on the screen? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. See, this is an example, okay? Basic stuff. We don't think people who mourn are blessed, and yet Jesus says they're blessed, and they will be comforted. Now, I tie this to envy because anytime we envy, we're mourning. We're grieving. We're saying, I I don't have that, and yet I I want that. So there's something in us that that is grieving. Even if we may not be weeping, we may never tell anybody we're grieving. When you envy, you're mourning. You don't have something that you think, or we think, we got to have, we should have. 
And Jesus says, so those who mourn, and I'll say those who envy, will be comforted. So I want to take envy and I want to look at it in two ways. Okay? One in uh, a personal life. Uh, and I'm going to use uh, one story in my life's example and somebody else. But like, so your, your life, okay? And then I want to use it in the church, okay? And if I was preaching uh, different parts of the world or the country, I might not use the church. But here in the Bible, I'm going to use the church too uh, as, a, um, as an example of envy. So let's go first to Luke 11 and, uh, and see what the Bible says about envy. Luke 11, I'm going to read verse 1 through 13. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not to temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? That'd be bad. That one in the Bible. Anyway, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? All right, a couple things I want to just uh, share in this passage before hitting on some stories. Uh, first off, we all deal with envy, and <clears throat> you know I chose this Sunday particularly because this is a Sunday where we can be most envious. Why might that be? Spring break. So why might that be? Huh? Exactly. They're gone, you know. They're at the beach. And not only today, it brings up envy, but also, I mean, you know, hit Facebook later in the... Thank you, Heidi. I appreciate it. Facebook later in the week. I mean, it's just... So, so how does this passage speak to that? And I'm going to bring up some more examples that are a little bit more, let's like call them hurting, than just like, well, they're going to the beach or skiing or wherever. Uh, First off, you know, we did a series on the Lord's Prayer earlier this year. So it says Jesus is praying, and then he tells the disciples to pray in this way. So he's, he's telling us, in all things, go to the Lord. And one of the reasons we did the Lord's Prayer was that that's how, like, God told us to pray. And so... We should know the Lord's Prayer. We should say it more often here. I stand guilty of that. But then he talks about our Heavenly Father. And he's saying, you know, who of you, if you ask for one thing, why the Father's going to give you something that, that harms you? Now, Jesus doesn't say he's going to necessarily give you what 
you want or what you think you need. But he's not going to give you something that will harm you. And then to me, the key verse in this, and this is just my opinion here, but it's verse 13. It says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now that does it, that may not seem vital or important to you, but that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to you. You know, Jesus said the night before he was crucified, he said, it's better that I go away so I can give you the Holy Spirit so that the Helper will come. And I've always been really blown away by that. Like, it's Jesus, and he said, it's better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can be with you. You know, how can that be? Why is that? Well, first off, I think back to Genesis 1 and the Spirit of God that hovered over the waters. I mean, I want you to think about this. So the very Spirit, part of the Trinity that was there at the creation, God says, well, Jesus says, God will give to you right now the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter, okay? That he comforts us. He's also called the Advocate, that he advocates our needs to the Father. So often, we don't know what we have in the Holy Spirit, I mean, we're, we're scrambling and searching for wealth and connections uh, and trips and homes and toys. And yet, the creator of all that is available to us. So I tie verse 13 to the Lord's Prayer. I mean, do we even, and of course we don't because we're sinners. But we can be reminded, both in church but in our minds, to ask the Father and give us of your spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to me, comfort me, advocate for me in my pain, in my envy, in my desire to have things that I think I need. Show me the way, Lord. Okay? So, two examples of this. Uh, first, and I think uh, this could be true of many of you uh, young people. Um, I try to consider myself young, but it's getting to be less. Thanks, Heidi. <laughs> less and less the case. <laughs> And sometimes you want to laugh at that one, you know. You know. Um, there's a, there's a, there is a young girl, young lady, who I know, not, I, I really, I can't even say I know. I've met her, I've been in a class with her for a week. We had some mutual friends, but uh, she works now in ministry, uh, and she writes in ministry. Um, my wife knows of her. Her name's Bethany Jenkins. She lives in New York City, okay? So here's a case of envy. She is 40 now. And she and I worked uh, in Washington, D.C., not together, but uh, she rose up the ladder. She worked for some big-time folks. And then she moved to New York, um, got a great job, so really living, like, the high life. And now she's still unmarried, and she doesn't have kids, and she's 40. And she wrote this article about being 40 and single, living in New York, uh, and also not having kids. And I, I thought about this with envy, and I also thought about this with uh, some of our youth. I know some of our youth have big dreams. Uh, but also, I just thought about, uh, I thought about single people in our congregation. I thought about, thought about just the things we desire in life. So she wrote this article on, first she was 28, and... She said someone joked to it. She had a had a um, engagement breakup, mm-hmm. which can be bad. And someone joked to her about, you know, 
who knows, we'll never be married, we'll be living in New York. She like laughed, ha, ha, ha. That was when she was 28, and she said that night it made me feel better. A lot of my uh, gorgeous, you know, New York girlfriends came over, and we had a party, and, you know, they're all very successful, and we're in our late 20s, and, I mean, you know, the, some of y'all know this life, okay? I've never lived in New York, but you know the deal. And then, she said, I turn around, and now I'm 40, and I'm still living in New York, and again, not married, and I want a, I want a baby, like, there's something in me as a, as a female, she says in this article. Like, I want a child, and yet I don't have one. So she calls this, and this is why Matthew 5, 4, those who mourn will be comforted. Disenfranchised grief. It's the grief you don't feel allowed to mourn because your loss isn't clear or understood by others around you. But losses that others don't recognize can be as powerful as the kind that are socially acceptable. And so she writes this article, and she basically writes it like she's grieving. And she says, I don't know if I'll ever have kids. She talks about, uh, I mean, it's New York, and even though we're in Mississippi, she talks about knowing people, uh, donate, you know, sperm donation. I don't know if I can, I don't know if that freaks you out, me saying that here. But anyway, <laughs> it, it, it's real, okay? She said, I'm not going to do that. But then she talks about the beauty of adoption, and that she has friends who've, single uh, women who've chosen that. And she's like, you know, it's not perfect, but one parent is better than two. I mean, better than none. You can't have two. And so she has single friends who've adopted. And then she talks about how we have a spiritual family, okay? And I don't know if you've read this book, but she quotes C.S. Lewis, who I love to quote too, in a book called The Great Divorce. And in The Great Divorce the narrator uh, is allowed to see heaven. And he meets this lady called Sarah Smith. And Sarah Smith has many people <clears throat> around her. <clears throat> and the narrator says, well, this must be a very important person. But come to find out that all these people around Sarah Smith are her sons and daughters in the Lord, okay? Spiritual children. And that none of them were physical sons or daughters. But the way... Um, C.S. Lewis talks about it, is that everyone who would come and encounter Miss Smith would go and leave and love their physical parents even more because of her influence and her nurturing. So, Bethany Jenkins talks about how she can be a spiritual mother. And then secondly, and we've talked about this with the dedication, with the Lampton family, how that she has a bigger, broader family, and that Christians have that. And we really need to realize that. That's what... That we don't play church, we're not just doing church, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, she says there's still a grieving of the physicality of not having a child and not knowing if she will have a child, but there is something greater. And sometimes we need to preach to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves. If you remember nothing else from today, remember that. You know what I'm saying? Because if we listen to ourselves and our lives, our very physicality is sinful, so she might be saying, well, you're never going to get pregnant. You're not going to be a mom. If you preach to yourself, well, you've got this spiritual family. You've got more sons and daughters than you can possibly imagine. And a, a larger family than you will ever know until we get to heaven. Preach to yourself, not listen to yourself, okay? Those who mourn will be comforted. Now, a personal example. Sometimes I don't take my own advice. I don't preach to myself. Personal example. Envy, envy, envy. So for me, but I, I do want to do share this. Um, 
because I just, you know, we all envy. But with Logan, our middle son, uh, many of you know, he, he, so he's on the autism spectrum. So he has problems with his speech, processing, okay? That doesn't, that doesn't bother me as much as probably bothers Linda, you know, just being honest. Would, would you agree? Nod or shake? Nod, okay. So it, it, it bums her out a little bit more. For me, I, I can deal with it. What I struggle with, and we have struggled with this together, is like we'll see, um, we'll see his class. So he's at, an, at another school, New Summit School, great school. Go New Summit, okay? I don't know what their mascot is, but good school. But we'll see, so like Jack and Ethan are at JA right now, but we'll see Logan's class at JA. You know what I'm saying? Like the class he would have been in. And so we'll see parents, and they're getting together and everything. And so that is like, that's, that's a, for me, I mean, that's kind of a continue in sports. I, love, I mean, love sports, you know, coaching Jack, two teams in baseball. I mean, I'm mean, I'm in, you know. I'm, Mr. Dad, I want to go. And, you know, you know, so it's always present. Well, you know, Logan won't play. I won't coach Logan there. So there is a, a very, so, and it's, it's very well for, for life. I mean, it's for life. Um, and, you know, I don't have an answer for that. Like, I don't have an answer for y'all to that. I'm just saying that's my, part of my story, part of our story. It is what it is. So what do we do with those situations where, it, like, it is what it is? Because I can talk about that with a girl in New York that I've met but really don't know, but for my life, you know, so what do I do? Well, I do think, I do believe, I do believe God gives us everything we need. I believe that everything in our life, and I'm going to say this again at the closing so you remember, but everything in life, everything in life. Y'all know what a midwife is? No, okay. Anybody got a midwife? Just kidding. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I do think, you know how midwife help, they help give birth. Everything in life is like a midwife. It's helping give birth to something greater. So everything in, let me say it like, everything in my life is helping give birth to the person who will one day live eternally. Okay? God is preparing us. He's using everything for the person who he wants to make us into, shape us into, whom we will be in Jesus. That's what I rest in. And it's actually, there are other things in life that are probably above Logan that I struggle with even more. And I'm like, God, why is this in life? Why is that in life? Why is that person in life? Say that as a pastor, okay? Everything, I like that. Everything's a midwife. It's helping give birth to the new life God wants. Okay, let's go into church real quick. Turn to if you, 1 Corinthians 3. So that's personally, and I want to do that first, but now I want to get into us, a corporate body. You, me, together. And if you don't go to this church, just the body of Christian believers. 1 Corinthians 3. Look at this in our remaining time. We're not going to go too long. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 through 3. Paul writes, but I, brothers, 
could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. Look at this. For while there is jealousy and strife among you. Paul's writing to a church, and he's saying to that church, there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Stop there. We don't have time to go through the whole chapter, but skip down to verse verse 21. The last couple verses in this chapter. He writes, So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that's Peter, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God. Should I wrestle with all? He, Paul just said to this church and to this church, all things are yours. If all things are yours, why do we envy? That's kind of a softball answer. There's, there's sin in us. But, again, if we preach ourselves and not listen to ourselves... All things are yours. All things are yours. Everything that you need, you've been given. Okay, two other quick stories. First one, doctors in here. Can I see a show of hands? This is show of hands day. A couple doctors here. A couple doctors. There you go. You're like, okay. Y'all know what autoimmune disease is? Yes. Okay, okay. Doctors do. Others who are not. What's autoimmune disease? What's that? Basically, when the body attacks itself. You tracking with me, Barbie Grace? <laughs> she loves that phrase. Sorry. It's spring break, Sunday. We can be kind of laid back. The body attacks itself. Spiritual autoimmune disease happens all the time. See what I'm saying? So, and I did some research on this, but... Yes, the body mistakes uh, things that are good and thinks it's an uh, antigen. I said that the right way, docs? Okay. <laughs> an antigen, and the body attacks itself. This is what's happening in the church in Corinth. It's what happens. I, I've, never, I've never visited or been part of a church where it hasn't happened. There's jealousy. Jealousy is envy. And you know, the, some of the deepest rooted envy and jealousy can be when you're jealous of spiritual things. That's really insidious. Like, you know, oh, he's got a better testimony or better teacher or better, I don't know, singer or, you know, leads a small group better. You know, and that's, that's why I'm saying this here in the Bible Belt. Because it can be rife with spiritual autoimmune disease. So first for us, that's kind of like that's basically the story. You know, for us, you know, we need to be reminded of who we are in Jesus. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, that one another is not the enemy. Give you a personal example of it, my life again. So many of you know we just got back, well two weeks ago we got back from India and uh, Dubai and we have mission partners in both places. 
And so as we were coming back through Dubai, we went to our, our mission partner that's in another emirate. So it's not Dubai. So technically, so it's about an hour drive outside of Dubai. And we actually drove out into the desert. But there is a guy from South Haven, some of you know, and a girl from Oxford, um, who, whom I've known for several years, and they uh, started a church in this emirate. And it's actually uh, grown into, or the, it's really designed to be a ministry center, okay? So some of y'all have seen pictures, and it's big. Uh, it, it's really impressive. So anyway, as we were walking through the building that should be dedicated in May, Cherry Duckworth, she's not here, you know, another envy, she's on her way skiing. Anyway, <laughs> she's so thankful I said that. Anyway, so she said to me, she said, well, John here, are you envious? And she said it out loud. She wasn't like whispering. She said it out loud. Now, I said, and preachers never lie, right? But I, I said, no, God killed that in me long ago, which he's killing it in me, as, as my wife would say. He's continually killing it in me. But I was honest, and I actually wasn't envious of them because I've talked to Josh and Jenny, and I know the hardships they've had. I know, and it's, it could be called severe, okay? And we all have severe hardships, but I, I know theirs. And it gets like 130 in the summer in, in UAE. So I'm like, it's not. And it's a desert, and I like green and all that. However, there was, I really thought it was awesome, like a ministry center for the Arabian Peninsula. I like the, the sound of that. I mean, there's kind of a, like a geopolitical, global... I mean, it sounds cool. A ministry center for the Arab Peninsula, Arabian Peninsula. So, yeah, there was a touch of envy there. So I see the potential seeds for the auto, for the spiritual autoimmune disease, even in me. You know, take this church, but, you know, just the global church. And so I come back to 1 Corinthians 3, and I hear, all things are yours. All things are yours. All things are yours. All things are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God. So I just know God has a plan. And I know God's using brothers and sisters here, and brothers and sisters there. And there's, a, um, there's an ability to rest in that. So, closing. I'm going to put a verse up, Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need... Of yours, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let's say that together. Can y'all read? We can read here. Can you see it? Okay. One, two, three. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Does that say some needs? It says every need. Okay, first, when we know, and all of us can be guilty of spiritual autoimmunity, what do we do? we got to repent of it. And we got to kill it with the sword of the Spirit. So if you go back to Luke eleven thirteen, ask the Father for the Spirit. Spirit reveal, Spirit comfort, Spirit shine light, Spirit convict, Spirit advocate, and kill it. Kill it. And it, it's rampant. Uh, we need it killed. Every church needs it killed, and it's a continual process. The body doesn't ever need to fight one another. Okay. Now, reminder again, 
if God gives us, if God will supply every need, then again, go back to what I said earlier, everything in life is being used to bring forth greater life. Please remember that. Everything in your life today is being used to bring forth greater life in the future. And the last thing I would say, sometimes we get confused on that word need. Like we think we need something or we think we should have something. And God may not think that. So I, I believe, go back to the Luke passage, the 1 Corinthians 3 passage, God gives us everything that will sustain us. Sustain us. So I think that leads us to pray, Lord, help me be content. You know, I think the opposite of envy, if the opposite of pride last week is humility, to me the opposite of envy is contentment. Man, a content person is a, is a beautiful thing to be content. You're not scrambling around. You're, you're, I think a content person is actually not that busy. A content person has time available. Well, I'm trying to, you know, I got to make sure I'm at this party and that party and that, or, no, I got to make sure I'm at this Bible study and that Bible study and that Bible study. That's the way it is. To be content. Jesus gives that. You're like, how? Why don't we have a cross in the center? His, his body bore the penalty of our sins, bore the wrath of God. He stood in our place. He gives life. Blood in the Bible is life. His blood was shed. We can rest. Jesus said, all you who are weary. Envious persons are very weary. It's tiring. Keeping up with the Joneses. Jesus, come to me. So, use this week, every week, but particularly this week. Those of us here, staycation or just go to him. Rest. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for you being here. Thank you that we can be content in you. I pray, pray content in my own life. I pray against spiritual autoimmune disease in this church and all churches. Give us contentment. Let us look to you. Thank you for all you've done on the cross in your name. Amen.